Um, I want to get to my first topic. Before I do, I just want to mention, by the way, a lot of people have been talking about this, this incident, of course, in Hoth. Uh, going back about a month ago where the young lads pushed the girl under the train. Now, it is related to the first topic that I'm doing today, so I'm going to have to change it a little bit because three boys have now been arrested, according to DublinLive.ie. Uh, three boys were, have been arrested in a whole junction incident where the teen girl, she was 17 years of age, was knocked under a train, which takes me to the first thing I want to talk about today, which is same-sex schools, but not just same-sex schools, but the way we educate young boys and girls. And I'm sure you've all heard that story, by the way, of the young girl, and the video's been going around on of this young tug who pushed the wheel of his bike under her feet, knocked her off balance, causing her to fall between the train and the platform. If it hadn't been for the quick reaction of the security guard and the fellow passengers at the busy Ho Junction station at the time, I'd say she was seconds away from at least serious injury, if not death. And I would say that was a very traumatic experience for that young girl. And not only that, if you watch the video, the full-length video, because there is a short version of it around, these little scuts were spitting at people. Uh, that's all they were doing. They were, and they were spitting at young girls, uh, young women. And, well, I suppose not just women. I don't know what age they all were. But they were spitting at women. They weren't spitting at men. Because, of course, we saw the video the other day of Roy Keane had taken a video in Cork and he put it up on Twitter. I don't know why he took the video, but he put it up on Twitter of... Scuts doing exactly the same thing in the middle of Cork City. But what happened was a group of men in the area intervened and walked over. The Scuts weren't long about going away then. So they wouldn't do it to a grown man, but they would do it to a woman. And that's what I wanted to talk about. There's no doubt when you watch these young lads, you know, I suppose, uh, making this effort to be thugs and pushing and spitting and uh, at young women, that there's a problem. Now, that's not to suggest, by the way, that every young lad does that. And I, I want to be very careful how we discuss this because I've listened to the, some of the uh, the rhetoric on radio and TV recently in relation to this. And I don't want to sort of pigeonhole all boys and all men into this hole that every man and every boy out there is a potential rapist or a potential sexual assaulter or harasser because that's certainly not the case. And I'm not a fan of same-sex schools, but I did hear it brought into the conversation. And, I, you know... <clears throat> I personally would prefer, or should I say, I prefer same-sex schools, but I'm not a fan of taking that choice away from people, as the point I was trying to make. But to talk to me a little bit more about it, and I want to know if you believe that same-sex schools are bad for children, um, or you believe they're good for children. I, I don't know what you, where you send your child to. I mean, Ireland probably has more same-sex schools in the public uh, so to speak, in the public realm than any other country in the world. Uh, but let me know what you think. The number is 087-188-008. Goes back to Catholic times, I suppose. Avala Batchik, Labour Senator, joins me on the air. Uh, Avala, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. And lovely to talk to you again. And Avala... And you, as always. Um, look, good news today that three people have been arrested in relation to that story in, in the Dart Station in Hoth that kind of started this campaign off, or started this conversation and debate off. But not only that, I suppose if we go back about two months ago and Sarah Everard, I suppose that started off the whole debate about the protection of women and about the way we behave in society towards each other. Now, you mentioned, and I heard you on radio the other, the other evening, you mentioned that your colleague, Aon O'Reardon, had mentioned same-sex schools and the abolition of same-sex schools. Do you think that would make a difference? Well, the first thing to say is just, you know, to uh, join with you, actually, Niall, in just expressing horror at that awful, uh, the reports of that awful incident in Hoth and real sympathies to the young woman involved in her family mm-hmm. and indeed to the other young women who were also targeted by the same, it appears, by a group of young boys. And I won't say any more about it because I know, as you say, that there's been arrests made and so on. But clearly there have been some very shocking reports about harassment of young women. Um, the Sarah Everhard murder has clearly uh, also generated 
started a lot of discussion. And the Me Too movement, I suppose you could say before that, since 2017, has also been generating more discussion. But the reality, Niall, is that for all of us who are all of us women, uh, and particularly for those who are young women and girls, this is a reality. Sexual harassment is an everyday reality, unfortunately. And it's something that we are also, I suppose, almost have all become so used to that it's almost become normal or normalized for young women and girls just to take into account. I won't walk up that street because I know I'm likely to get jeered at or, uh, or harassed as I go that way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to go on that dark well, I, 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 No, I, I witnessed it. You know, myself and, yes. and, and my yes, producer, Ashling and Ruth, we'd nip outside for a smoke during the day. We have a construction site near us. And, I, and I've witnessed it and I find, I find it quite embarrassing as a man to watch other men, you know, leer at Ashling. She's an attractive young girl and so is Ruth, uh, to leer at them. And now don't get me wrong, there's no law against leering at somebody, unfortunately, right? But I, I just, I find it a little bit embarrassing as a man because I wouldn't do that. I don't behave like that. And we talked about wolf whistling a while ago on the air. And don't get me wrong, I would never wolf whistle at a woman. I've never done it. I think it's quite Neanderthal. Uh, but in saying that, do you make those kind of things a crime? Because I know you're suggesting that's where it starts. And I know that can be uncomfortable for some women. For some women, they don't really care. When we talked about it on the air that day, there were many women that come on on a lighter note and said, geez, I haven't been wolf whistled at in 20 years. I wish somebody would wolf whistle at me. So I, I do get where we're going, but we have to be careful that we don't pigeonhole all of men into this kind of narrative that men are all toxic and bad. I absolutely agree with you. I don't believe for a second that all men do this or that, you know, that all men are harassed. Not at all. I think the reality, though, is that for most men, it's something they're, they're simply not aware of. They don't experience it in their everyday lives the way women and young and girls do. And therefore, it's not something, I suppose, that they're, that's in their consciousness. And that's been the real value of the Me Too movement. And that's been the strength of campaigns that have come up, you know, grassroots campaigns that have grown up around horrific incidents. And I, and I do I do think that works. I do think it works. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree with you. Because I think think in the last two or three years, men and the way we behave, even at my age, we kind of second guess ourselves a little bit now, you know, and and think, well, maybe should I do that? Because because of, you know, everything that's in the news and everything that we hear nowadays. So I I think it has helped. And I I certainly think talking about it. But getting back to the same sex schools. So this starts at a young age. And I, for a minute, don't want to be, you know, the person who kind of promotes the idea that we should get rid of masculinity or indeed femininity for that matter, because I think it's a very important part of human nature. I mean, when we talk about, you know, the man asking the woman to marry him, when we talk about the man asking the woman for the date, I think those things are nice. I still think it's part of human nature that the ma- the boy will chase the girl instead of the other way around. It can happen the other way around, it does. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I, I think we need to be careful as well not to upset human nature. And, and what is essentially the chase, as they call it. So from a young age, how do we teach young boys and girls to respect each other? Well, a lot of this is about respecting each other as humans rather than seeing, you know, if you're a girl, seeing a boy as the other or or a boy seeing a girl as the other. Because really the sort of behaviour we're talking about, the sort of harassment behaviour that is carried on by a small number of men, but unfortunately, which is so prevalent for, you know, in such a common experience for so many women and girls, this behaviour, I think, does derive from a view that sees women as other and that suggests that women, and that lacks empathy or, or 
fellow feeling for for women as other humans. And I think that, you know, you may say, well, why are we talking about same-sex schools? Because really, if children are separated by gender from very early age, from primary schooling, and indeed in Ireland, we have a very high rate of, of, uh, of, of separate sex schools from an early age, which is un- very unusual by European standards. And if we're doing this, if we're separating children on gender grounds, then, I suppose, making it less normal to have a friend who's a girl if you're a boy or vice versa. And that, therefore, means that we have let, that boys have less empathy for girls and girls for boys. And the boys are less aware of girls' experiences. But, but see, Avanna, I went to an all-boys school. Yeah, but I went to an all-boys school at both primary and secondary. I went to De La Salle College. Actually, as I was leaving, they started to introduce girls into the secondary school. Now, mind you, that was in 1979. But in saying that, it was all-boys. I don't think it did me any harm. Now, don't get me wrong, there was lads in our class and our school who would have been womanizers and those type of lads that you were referring to. But that's not, it's not, I don't believe it's the norm. And, you know, what, what upsets me when I hear the debate all the time, and I'm not disagreeing primarily with, with a lot of what you're saying, is that, you know, men who sexually harass, who rape or assault women are a small minority, they really are a small minority. It does get into the news. I know there's a suggestion out there that many women feel they've believed, uh, they feel they've been sexually harassed or, or felt some sort of discrimination in their life due to their gender. And I'm not doubting that that's the way they have felt. I could equally say that many men have felt that way too, but maybe men don't talk about it enough and they probably should talk about it a bit more. But, I mean, I don't see... I mean, if you look at the, the, the stats for the UK in relation to same-sex schools, we don't have the same stats for here in Ireland, unfortunately. But from an academic, an academic point of view, uh, boys do better and perform better in all boys schools. Now, I'm a fan of mixed schools, by the way. I'm not a fan of single sex schools, but I still want to see that choice for parents out there. So is it right to take that choice away from them? Well, interestingly, the data that is more com- that is better known, I think, is that girls tend to do better in single sex schools and boys in co-ed schools. So I think I think there's some mixed uh, results there. I think the reality, though, that those are about academic results, clearly. But you know, if we're talking about the development of the child, uh, the holistic development of the child, not just academic. Uh, academically, then I think it's clear for all of us, for me as a parent, for, for all of us, I think that it's better for children to be used to mixing with those of both sexes. In other words, for boys to be mixing with girls as well as with other boys. And I think that that, whereas, you know, you may say, well, that didn't do me any harm. I went to a single-sex girls' secondary, as it happens. But, you know, it's not whether it does individuals any harm. It's more about whether it helps to generate a culture where there's less fellow feeling for people of the other sex. I think that's, that's mm-hmm. the issue. Well, that, well, well that was the reason yeah. I didn't send my daughter to a same-sex school was because I've always heard and known and uh, other parents have told me that they, when their daughters were in same-sex schools, there was more competition. And I know the, the, the word they used was bitchiness at the time. Uh, I know that's not something that we accept nowadays. Very loaded. But you understand the point I'm making, that there was a lot of competition and there can be a lot of bullying sometimes in same-sex schools too. And that can apply both to men and women. Although men and women Tend, or boys and girls tend to bully differently. Uh, girls bullying tends to be more emotional, whereas boys bullying is tends to be a punch in the face, and that's at the end of it. So there is t- different types of bullying. But but in saying that, I wouldn't send my child or any of my children to a same sex school, knowing what I know now. But again, it comes back to choice, and I see texts coming in from parents saying their children are in same sex schools and they want to continue doing that, and they see you because of this. Well, not you personally, by the way, but they see the state wanting to take that choice away from them, based on. I don't know whether it will make that big of a difference. Well, 
in fact, you know, the state has very little uh, to do with this because schools in Ireland are, of course, run very much by local uh, patrons and by boards of management. But the reality, Niall, is that without the state intervening in any way, more and more schools are simply themselves moving to co-ed model. I mean, you describe your own uh, your own school as having gone co-ed. And I think all of us will be aware in our own local areas here in Dublin Bay South, where I am, you know, we see schools that were traditionally single sex are really all or many, most of them moving to a co-ed model simply because that's what parents yeah. are choosing that's the reality so there is plenty of choice still of course for parents who wish to send children particularly to a single sex secondary um, but at primary level and increasingly at secondary we're seeing schools moving to co-ed organically because that's what parents and local communities and schools themselves want to do and they see it as better educationally and holistically for the development of the child I think that's a healthy move I must Absol- say absolutely and but think, well, I I what do you make of the private schools society. I mean we all know there's certain private schools in this country where the boys, um, I suppose, a lot of locker room talk goes on. And uh, boys tend to grow up with this, uh, it's hard, this kind of rugby mentality as well. I, I don't want to pigeonhole people into a certain line of thinking, but I think we all know what I'm talking about. There's a, those type of schools tend certainly to be a bigger breathing ground for the behaviour that you're talking about. Uh, so what can we do about that? You can't really do anything about that because they're private schools. Well, I think whether a school is private or public, certainly if it's a single-sex school, um, it's 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 le- it's more likely, I suppose, that, that the sort of culture you describe will, will arise where it's an all-boys school, for example. So I think the way to do the way to change that clearly is the, the move I've described towards co-educational models, which are great, uh, you know, and which, as I said, that move is happening anyway because people want it. Uh, but also, of course, we do have a, the state does have a role, and indeed, you know, the Department of Education has a role in ensuring that uh, even in single-sex schools, all children are getting access to the same relationship and sexuality education and to a sort of educational program that uh, that does, uh, I suppose, en- enable the development of feelings of compassion and empathy for those of opposite sex. So I think that's crucial. That's where I was very disturbed to see ca- the Catholic school program, the this program Flourish that's been spoken about, which has, I-, I think, some messages about sexuality which don't help in ensuring that people feel compassion mm-hmm. and empathy for others, particularly around homosexuality. You may have seen reports in the papers in Ireland, indeed I'm sure your listeners would have seen, about this, this um, Catholic bishops program that that doesn't teach respect and uh, and for diversity and we, we did, Yeah, we did talk about yeah, that the other day. Yeah, you the, may well have talked Yeah, there was two programmes. There was the one from the Catholic bishops and there was also the one that has been put through at the moment, of course, by uh, Paul Murphy and others as well, this new uh, RSE bill as well that's been put through. And we talked about the two. And I'll be honest with you, we got a bit of a mixed reaction on it, Ivana, in relation to... You know, there are people out there who would prefer to see the, the Catholic ethos and that Catholic thinking. And there are others out there that want to see a more progressive thinking in the way we teach children sex education. But I think primarily the majority of people who called in that day and texted in that day didn't want any sex education for children under the age of 11. Uh, they didn't believe it was the role of the teacher. They believe it was the role of the parents. So that's a whole other debate as well. Anyway, uh, but in, in It's in an rela- interesting debate, isn't it? it, it but it, I do think, you know, I, I think increasingly now there is a, a, a clear view that uh, there should be an objective program of relationship and sexuality ed- education that is age appropriate, of course. You know, it mm. would be taught very different. It is indeed taught very differently. As I know, my kids have just gone through primary and are now in secondary. So I've seen how the program evolves. And I think it's respectful and I think it's age appropriate. This is the state RSE program. I think where where pupils are in a Catholic school, you know, the, the current school system is based very much on religious ethos or on the ethos of the patron body, be it Educate Together, which is the multi-denominational body, of course, or indeed the, the bodies that are run by different churches. I think, though, you know, irrespective of the 
safe uh, of the patron or the or the you know the ethos of the patron. It's important that all children would would have access to a learning program that emphasizes respect for others. Whether and, and they're I, gay and or I couldn't straight, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think I think no matter what side you happen to be on, I would like to think that everybody would agree that we all must have respect for each other. We must teach respect, no matter yeah, what what somebody's sexual persuasion yeah. happens to be. Okay, but I, I just just and finally just moving away from that in relation to the same sex schools. I mean, does this mean that you would like to see a situation where it would be um, basically the Department of Education would instruct schools that they must be, uh, that must be compulsory, that there be mixed education schools, that there would be no choices whatsoever? You mean that we would, that the state would require all schools yes, to become to, co-ed? Yeah. Well, as I say, we can't do that currently because the state doesn't have that sort of hands-on power in relation to individual schools because of our very uh, very unique uh, school model which is based as i say very much on the uh, role of the local patron and the local board of educa- board of management what i think the department should do though is incentivize moves to co-ed to merging and indeed we saw that in the past where you know the move to to merging smaller schools to ensuring economies of scale in slightly bigger schools so i think that's the way forward actually and as mm-hmm. i say it's happening already because parents are choosing co-ed where where it's possible, schools themselves are choosing. We've seen, you know, in my local area, for example, you know, a, bo- a boy's primary merging with a girl's secondary to become a co-ed, or sorry, boy's primary merging with a girl's primary to become a co-ed primary. And that's really, I think, the way forward. So I think the department does indeed support and incentivise schools Absolutely. to do this. And I think, and I think that would be good, a good way to do it in relation to funding. Yeah. Oh, just a final question, because somebody just texted in. Does Havana support the idea, like in France, of fining people for wolf whistling? Do, do you support that idea? There's so many well, in there. I'm just curious now. Well, I actually did a recent debate just about the French law. What we have in Ireland, in fact, and what I do support, is a new law that's coming in. The government proposed a new hate crime hate crime law, and one of the uh, provisions in it will be to amend the existing public order legislation to make it an offence to engage in threatening or abusive behaviour on the grounds of sex. So that would cover sort of. Uh, threatening sexual harassment that but, we might but, but, but that that, a bit of a grey area well it's a bit of a grey area now don't get me wrong I'm not encouraging anybody to do it I said it's Neanderthal no men shouldn't be whistling at women yeah. alright so if you want to say hello to them say hello to them uh, but, but, but I, I think I think now I would say there, there's a, a spectrum of behaviour here you know I don't think an on the spot fine for a whistle is pro- is the best way to approach it no, but I finding do, people for I a sound agree. is probably not the best thing to do yeah, but, but, I, I, but I tell you what Ivana but I, I should say this now the, the, the law that's coming in and I'm a criminal lawyer so I believe it's no I would love to this is what I was going to say law. to you I would love to have you back on again yeah, to talk look, to us more in detail about yeah, the hate crime the offense, legislation the offence the offence I do support is this offence of threatening or abusive behaviour on grounds of sex so in other words a misogynistic uh, approach to a woman, a threatening approach uh, uh, that you know puts somebody in fear. It, it may be words, but words can be very powerful and be very threatening. So but but you, be, you being a criminal lawyer, like, and let me give you an example. If I go back about five years ago, there was a whole hoo-ha over a case of a man who was a taxi driver who happened to be a black man and he was beaten up and assaulted. At the time, it was described as a racist attack. People had argued at the time that it was nothing to do with the fact that he was black. This guy was just a thug and had beat him up. And Again, I would argue that when we bring in hate crime legislation and talk about that, there's a bit of a grey area in the fact that if a man makes a tre- has a threatening behaviour towards a woman, yeah, of course that should be illegal. But to suggest that it's threatening on the grounds of misogyny just because she happens to be a woman, uh, and that could be used, if you, if you understand what I'm saying, it's a little bit of a grey area, and I don't know how we're going to define that and how we interpret that. Will it be up to a judge, or will it be up to the victim to interpret it that well, way? Well, the government and, has- 
the government has published the scheme of the bill, which sets out very clearly how this how the criteria are set down. And certainly, if you're that woman, as I have been, and I think most of your women listeners would have been, oh, sure, I was beaten. Be I, I ended up in hospital years ago. I was beaten up live on the yeah. air for God's sake. Uh, look, well, look, but look, I think it's pretty clear to women when they're being harassed because they're women, and you know that's that's okay. the reality. But the law, the the bill the government are publishing, the scheme that they've already published, does set out very clear criteria for this. And I think you know we have established laws in, in terms of assault, of course. Uh, and it's simply saying that this is an aggravating factor if it's motivated by, uh, for example, hatred for a woman because she's a woman or indeed hatred for somebody because of their race or ethnicity. So, you know, I think it's important we have these laws in place. They have a declaratory effect as well to say this is behaviour that society condemns, even if there's no prosecution. That's an important message too from our criminal okay. law. So I do All right, well I, tell, well, I tell you what, we will talk to you more in detail about the hate crime legislation uh, uh, when that comes along as well. Listen, thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate you coming right. on the air today. 